Today's episode of the Rated JG Podcast is brought to you by our sponsors at Axe and Sledge Supplements. Y'all know I have been preaching Axe and Sledge for the last year or so. I have been taking their products for a very long time, way before they were a sponsor of the podcast. But hey, now that they're sponsoring me, obviously I'm taking them more than I was. Your boys got a discount code. So, that being said, Axe and Sledge has everything to offer, like the best formulated and best tasting pre-workouts that you've ever tasted. They've got the best protein powders, meal replacement, protein bars, fat burners, you name it, across the board. Axe and Sledge has got you taken care of with all your supplement needs, and I've got a discount code. Use the code JGIL10 at checkout for 10% off your entire order. And this weekend, April the 29th through May the 2nd, from Thursday through Sunday, anything that you order, you get free shipping. So if you use my discount code, you'll get free shipping and 10% off. You can't ask for more. I'm a man of the people. Go get you the best supplements on the market and tell them your boy sent you. AccessLedge.com, JGill10. Let's go. Thank you all for stopping by. My name is Justin Gilly, and you're listening to the Rated JG Podcast. What is going on, everybody? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Rated JG Podcast. Check out your boy putting in uh, putting in the work, doing like one episode every other week now, like getting back on the horse, man. I feel like I used to do this all the time and now I'm just turning into, I don't know, like once every month or so, but whatever, that's neither here nor there. We got some stuff to talk about today, so we're going to be talking about it. If you've listened to any of the recent episodes, I seem to be gravitating towards mixed martial arts, uh, UFC specifically, because that's just what I like to do in my free time. And uh, I figured Based upon what transpired this past weekend, why not talk about it? Because UFC 261 was this past weekend, and it was a great one. It was full of fights that maybe, even if you're like a casual fan that just watches every now and then, this one definitely appealed to everybody because it had three title fights on the pay-per-view card, which is pretty, I don't want to say unheard of, but it's definitely a big event whenever something like that happens. So, for those of you that don't know, if you're wondering what like pay-per-view is, obviously it's you have to pay to view that part of the uh, UFC card, and um, it's this particular one was five fights, but three of those five were for some sort of title. So I thought, why not go through those, and then we'll kind of see where it goes from there. Got a couple things to talk about, including did we find out or did we see who one of the one of the goats of UFC is? We'll get to that later. But for right now, UFC 261 started out with Anthony Smith and Jimmy Crute. So Jimmy Crute is a younger fighter, um, definitely one that's got some traction behind his name recently, coming up in the light heavyweight division, and Anthony Smith has kind of fallen on some, I don't want to say hard times, but he's definitely been on a little bit of a skid as of the last couple years. A couple years ago, Anthony Smith was definitely a household name because he got to, everyone thought that he might be the one to take John Jones down, and if you watch that fight, that was certainly not the case and ever since then it's kind of been all over the place the dude got his house broken into and he had to fist fight the robber he actually woke up during the robbery and it 
it was a big mess. So, like, look into all that. It was crazy. But anyways, Anthony Smith, Jimmy Crute, um, was stopped due to a low leg kick, like a calf kick. And uh, if any of y'all watched the Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor fight, you know how prominent and how normalized these low kicks are now. It's insane. It seems like every single fight you're seeing these things develop and everyone's starting to learn the the, the calf kick. But uh, basically what happens, if you get kicked in that area, your body has nowhere to send the swelling. It just, all the blood pools up right there and you either you either get that nerve hit and you lose all control of your leg or it swells up so bad you can't even put weight on it. So that actually is what happened to Jimmy Crute. Got hurt so bad with that leg kick he could barely put weight on it. Dude was a savage. He was sitting in his corner and he was like banging on his chest like, no, nah, man, I'm good. Let's go. Let's go. Unfortunately, the ref stopped it. I understand, you know, looking back on it, it's probably best that he did stop it because Anthony Smith was looking great. But anyways, uh, Smith ended up winning that fight. Not necessarily one of the ones I was looking forward to. Don't really care about either one of those fighters, if we're being honest. But the next fight was going to be one that was certainly intriguing. It was in the middleweight division with a person, I mean, two veterans, but one is an undoubtable Hall of Famer. So you had Chris Weidman versus Uriah Hall. And oh my God, if you have a weak stomach and, or, you know, this, this fight was not for the faint of heart because this was one of the craziest situations I've ever seen. Like you couldn't, you, you can't write these, you can't make these things up. Like it's weird how the universe works sometimes because I'm telling you, it's a one in a billion chance that this happened. So Uriah Hall versus Chris, Chris Weidman, first round, I think they're like freaking 17 or 18 seconds in. Chris Weidman, Hall of Famer, gets, he, he attempts one of those low kicks like I was just mentioning in the other fight, and Uriah Hall checks that kick, and Chris Weidman's leg snapped in a way that I can't even, I cannot even put it into words. It's, his leg looked like a rubber band. Uh, basically, where his shin, like the middle of his shin bone, it, it just snapped in half, and his like foot wrapped around his opponent's leg while his leg was staying still. It's disgusting, and it's once in a blue moon does this kind of stuff happen, but that's not what makes it that unique. What makes it unique is the fact that those gruesome injuries are part of the game. They come along with it, but something like that has only happened once in my memory and in my thought process. I can't recall it ever happening, but the odds of it happening to Chris Weidman are insane because Chris Weidman had that happen in a, like one of his opponents, Anderson Silva. He is definitely in the GOAT talk. Anderson Silva, everybody knows that name. Back in 2013, he fought Chris Weidman round two for the belt because Chris actually took it from him. But anyways, so Chris Weidman was back in 2013 fighting Anderson Silva, and Anderson Silva throws this little leg kick just like Chris Weidman did this past weekend and broke his leg the exact same way. If you don't believe me, if you think I'm blowing smoke up your ass, go look it up on YouTube. You can't, I mean, th this is some weird voodoo type stuff happening. The, the fact that he was involved in both of these injuries, one on the receiving end and one on the, uh, you know, unfortunately it happened to him. It's nuts, you know, wish him nothing but the best. Obviously, Uriah Hall wins immediately, and, and Uriah Hall is known as one of the nicest guys in the game. He didn't wish that upon Chris at all. Wish him a speedy recovery. He, I think he's going to be fine. But yeah, that's 
not only is it crazy that that injury happened to Chris, but it's also crazy that that has happened to one of his opponents during one of his fights eight years ago. Like, the odds of that happening are, I mean, second, I don't even know how to explain how small those odds are, but that was it. So that, that was the second fight on the card. So, I mean, if, the, if, if it stopped right there, you already got your money's worth. Like, what the heck is going on? Crazy start to the pay-per-view. But then it leads us into the first of three title fights, which was Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade. And this fight can only be summarized as by saying Valentina Shevchenko is just unstoppable. If it wasn't for Amanda Nunes, better yet, if your name isn't Amanda Nunes, you're not going to beat Shevchenko. It's just not going to happen. He, She is so unbelievably dominant in all areas of the game. And, you know, she's obviously a lot smaller than Nunes and Megan Anderson and girls of that stature. But, I mean, Amanda Nunes, or excuse me, um, Jessica Andrade, who was her opponent, is... I mean, she's from Brazil. She's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. She's known for the freaking power bomb that she laid on Rose Namajunas a couple months back and almost snapped her neck. Like, I mean, this girl is a problem. She is a gangster. She's, you don't want to mess with Andrade. Shevchenko beat the brakes off of her. I mean, it wasn't even, it wasn't even close. She just, just dominated her to defend that belt yet again. And I think that it was a, she was probably a heavy betting favorite going into it. I, I didn't look at the, the betting lines, but she's one of those ones, like, the way that she approaches the game is so good for all fighters, but for, like, the example she sets for female mixed martial artists is, I mean, it's second to none. She's a cornerman for her sister, who's also a UFC fighter. She's training partners with Rose Namajunas, which is also a good thing because I don't ever want to see her and Rose fight because... I don't know who I would root for in that fight. But anyway, Shevchenko just does it the right way, man. She's a beast. She's always been a beast. She's going to continue to be a beast. And like I said, unless your name is Amanda Nunes, she's not going to lose to you. So she defended that belt in I'm dominant fashion, absolutely beat the brakes off of Jessica Andrade. Andrade isn't out of it. She'll be all right. She'll be back. She's just, you know, one of those things. Like, there's just, there's levels to this, and Shevchenko is upper echelon, and you ain't going to take that belt from her. And that that's just that. So she defended her belt. That was the third fight on the card, and then that moved us into the co-main event, which is another female fight, which was Rose Namajunas, Thug Rose, versus Zhang Wei Li. And Wei Li is probably, she, she fought, um, Joanna Yedjacek a couple, maybe a year ago, a little more, in what is widely considered one of the best, if not the best female fight of all time, and then top five UFC fights of all time. That's how good it was. If you don't remember that fight, Wei Li was actually the one who uh, made Ro- or uh, made Joanna, excuse me, made her look like Megamind, that, uh, that cartoon. She looked like, literally looked like an alien cartoon you would draw with like the little chin and the giant forehead. She gave her such a huge hematoma from beating the crap out of her and just landing punch after punch on her forehead. So there was that fight. She was coming off that. Joanna is, you know, an all-time great Hall of Famer, no doubt. And Rose comes out and just puts on a freaking striking clinic, dude. Looks low. In the second round, she's looking low and then comes high with a head kick that you couldn't draw up any better. I mean, this thing was pinpoint sniper accuracy, hit her with a dome shot and sent her into the shadow realm. I mean, like, dude, Thug Rose is a 
problem. She's so good. She's got her fiance, Pat Barry, who's one of the best strikers of all time in her corner. And, you know, she's working with Trevor Whitman. And Trevor Whitman is, in my opinion, Trevor Whitman's the best MMA coach because of his approach and his attention to detail with his athletes. For those of you that don't know, he has three athletes that he trains. Rose Namajunas, Kamaru Usman, Justin Gaethje, which are three of the top 10 fighters in the UFC pound for pound. They're insane. Matter of fact, Kamaru Usman is, he was the uh, the main event on this card and the welterweight champion of the world. But that's, we'll get to that in a second. But so working with Trevor, he is known for calming Justin Gaethje down. So Justin Gaethje was this, you know, the king of violence, Mr. He, he was the highlight reel going in there just brawling. But he, Trevor Whitman, when he started working with him, taught him to fight behind his jab. So, you know, kind of calming it down slowing things down, getting your distance, finding your pace, and working behind that jab. Well, obviously, he's going to use that with his other fighters as well, and Rose is a perfect example of that. So I mentioned earlier that Zhang Weili fought Joanna Jacek earlier in the year or last year, and it was a striking throwdown. I mean, it was like two battering rams just meeting each other in the cage. They would just walk straight forward and exchange, back off. Straightforward exchange, back off. You know, give two punches to take one, take two to give one, like over and over and over and over, which is great. It ended up being one of the best fights of all time. But Rose, working with Trevor Whitman, did exactly that. She worked behind that jab. She created that distance. And Rose has something that a lot of other strikers don't have, which is lateral movement. So Rose is sitting there tapping her in the face, tap, 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 and then moving left to right. And Wei Li is walking straight line, straight line, straight line. You know, that's not a knock on her. She was the damn champion. She knows what she's doing. But what I'm saying is throwing in that, there's an old saying like, um, you know, styles make matchups. Well, I mean, Rose was the worst matchup possible right here. And, you know, I'm going to go on record and say, I thought Zhang Weili was going to win this fight, but I could not have been more wrong. And I'm glad because I love Rose. But, you know, Rose sitting there creating that lateral movement, back, forth, left, right, left, right. And then the visual aspect of it, looking at Whaley's bottom half while landing a kick on your temple. Like, dude, you can't, like, that's God-given talent, man. That's a lot of work, a lot of time, blood, sweat, and tears right there, and she pulled it off, and she looked great. And she won the belt back, and deservingly so. She kept saying, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best, and she is. And if you heard her post-fight speech, like, she's very humble, She's a great mixed martial artist, and I think that she's going to hold that belt for a while. And, I mean, I don't, I don't know what they do with that. I don't know who's going to be next in line, but she won the belt back, and she won it in dominant fashion. So hats off to Rose. That was great. She definitely proved herself and solidified herself as, you know, top dog in that division. So, you know, good honor. But that led us into the next fight, the main event of the evening, which everybody was looking forward to. It's been all over ESPN for months now. It was Kamaro Usman, the Nigerian Nightmare, and Jorge Street Jesus Masvidal. And bruh, Masvidal got worked. He got that freaking work, dude. Kamaro Usman hit him with that right from all the way from Nigeria, bruh. Sent him into the shadow realm. I was all over it. You know, Masvidal is definitely a character. He's, everyone knows him from the BMF title. You know, for those of you that don't know, he fought for a a made-up belt, the BMF, the baddest motherfucker. He fought 
Nate Diaz, who's notorious for fighting Conor McGregor, yada, yada, yada. It was a big publicity thing. But anyways, Masvidal is known as that dude. Like, I mean, he's just, he's got that swag. He's no, he has the fastest knockout in UFC history, five seconds with the flying knee against Ben Askren. So he's, he's definitely got this persona. And I'm not against Masvidal. I, shit, half my favorite fighters are the biggest personalities in the UFC, you know, like Sugar Sean and Connor and Darren Till. Like, those are my kind of guys. I love that. But he, I don't know, he, he fought Usman a couple months ago, maybe a year ago, um, on six days' notice. And he was 20 pounds overweight. So he had to, you know, Usman's opponent had to, he got called out for, I think, COVID restrictions. Something happened and they called Jorge and he was like, yeah, I got it. So he jumped on a plane, flew to Abu Dhabi on six days' notice, lost 20 pounds and fought for the belt. And Usman beat the brakes off of him. I mean, he didn't finish him, he, but it was an absolute unanimous decision. All the judges ruled. I mean, it, it, it was an absolute beatdown. There was no resistance. There was nothing. He, he just beat the shit out of him. And therefore, that led to the buildup of this fight. You know, oh, let me get a full fight camp. Let me get a full fight camp. This will all be different, blah, blah, blah. So he did. This has been a long time in the, in the making. And Masvidal goes on record by saying, oh, yeah, you know, Usman, he hit me. You know, he, uh, but when he hit me, it was, uh, there was no power behind it. I felt his power. There was no power, you know, regarding to his first fight. And then he kept kind of chirping, saying, you know, I don't know, man. If I was the champ and I fought somebody on six days' notice, I wouldn't have let that guy leave there breathing. Well, buddy, now you're a meme forever, right next to the Ben Askren one you created. So uh, Usman said, hey, what's up, second round? Uh, let's eat this right hand, and we'll we'll see you later. And he just beat the shit out of him. Knocked him out. Undeniable. Welterweight champ. Again, the reigning, defending Nigerian Nightmare. That is that that was UFC 261. It, it was, I mean, widely regarded as one of the best UFCs in in recent memory. I mean, it was great. But that I I, I ran through all of that. Number one, to give you all a rundown. But number two, it is to to kind of segue into my a thing that people ask me a lot, like the goat, the greatest of all time. And I hate these conversations because they're all it, it's relative. You know, like LeBron versus Jordan, or you know. <laughs> For instance, um, I don't. Okay, I, I played baseball my whole life. I don't think that Babe Ruth would even be an everyday starter in today's MLB. You know, back then, whenever he was in the league, you know, a hundred years ago, it was guys were throwing eighty-five miles an hour right down the middle, and they pitched every other night. They had day jobs. They smoked cigars in between innings and had beer in the dugout. And you know. If, if Babe Ruth was to go to the plate right now against Jacob deGrom or Clayton Kershaw, they'd strike him out 9 out of 10 plate appearances. But also, if Babe Ruth had the same access to the same technology and the same training as the hitters nowadays do, might be a different story. What I'm saying is it's all relative, you know what I mean? Like, it's, you, you, you just, it's apples to oranges. Like, how can you choose the goat of any time frame without any, what, what's your point of reference here? So I thought, why not break it down a little bit and give you my my super nerdy insight on it. So we'll start here with the Usman side of the debate. So Kamara Usman just mentioned all the things that happened last weekend, but we'll, de- we'll dig deeper. He has 13 wins in a row in the UFC, all at the welterweight division. Every single fight, same division. He is a three-time defending champ. And he's beat some monsters. You know, he really has. You know, Rafael Dos Anjos, 
uh, who else off the top of my head? Uh, Colby Covington, Tyron Woodley. He beat Masvidal twice. Um, uh, Damian Maya. Like, I mean, he's beat the who's who. Like, that's for sure. 13 wins in a row. Like, that's undeniable. Yes. And then especially what he did. He's working with Trevor Whitman. He's learning how to strike. He's working that, obviously, you know, he just used that right hand to beat Masvidal. But that's... I mean, that's that's a logical debate right there for, you know, the, the welterweight goat. But conversely to that, you know, on the other end of the spectrum is my favorite fighter of all time and probably a lot of y'all's favorite fighters. Like I told you a million times, I, I'm, I'm a huge nerd. I got into the UFC or mixed martial arts when I was really young. I used to save up my allowance money, buy UFCs and, you know, drink freaking monster energy and order pizza and stay up all night watching these dudes beat the shit out of each other. Like that was just what I like to do. And GSP, George St. Pierre, literally changed martial arts. He is the embodiment of a martial artist. He had striking. He had wrestling. He had jujitsu. He had cardio. He had the fight IQ. And he had the work ethic. He only lost twice in the UFC. And he avenged both of those losses perfectly. He finished both opponents that beat him in their rematch. He finished them, which means it didn't go to a decision. He either knocked them out, TKO, or submitted them. And just to name some of, like, like if you go down his resume, I happen to know a lot of them off the top of my head because he's just, he's the reason I got into all this. But, like, Jay Huron, Frank Trigg, he beat Matt Hughes twice. He beat BJ Penn twice. Um, jo- Josh Koscheck, uh, Carlos Condit, Nick Diaz, Dan Hardy, and then his most recent one, you know, was Michael Bisping, which we'll get into. But like, I mean, I just named you like six or seven guys. I think five of them are Hall of Famers. So it, how can you say GSP is not as good or for that, it, it better than, than Usman? It's a different time with different opponents, different, different talent pools available, different technology available, different avenues you can take as a mixed martial artist to display your skills. But anyways, that that's neither here nor there. I'm making the debate for GSP. So he didn't lose. Think about this stat. This is mind-blowing, regardless if you watch fights or not. He didn't lose a fight for 10 years. 10 years. Think about that. He had nine title defenses. Not only that, he beat Michael Bisping, once again, Hall of Famer, champion. He beat Michael Bisping after taking four years off. He didn't even step in the octagon for four years. GSP moved up a division, so he gained 15 pounds to fight at middleweight after four years of being off, and he beat Michael Bisping. Not only did he beat him, he rear naked choked him into a submission, choked him unconscious, and took his belt. Okay, I'm, I'm once again, you know, this is I think a lot of recency bias is going on. Why everybody's saying uh, Usman's the the goat? But like when you look at it, it come on now, you know, I, I'm sure I have a little bit of bias because once again I grew up on GSP and I'm not taking anything away from Usman. But man, he's not there yet, in my opinion, he's not. And another thing, which also goes that you know you could throw this feather in Usman's cap as well. But GSP went through the steroid era. I mean, he went through the the Brock Lesnar's, the golly, the Frank Mears, Anderson Silva, John Jones, like Alistair Overeem, 
all these guys that were just testing for everything under the sun, you know, they're all, basically steroids were widely accepted as, okay, everyone was juiced out of their minds. GSP went through that same era, and he passed every single test. He never failed. He was clean the whole time, which I think also gives him a little bit of the nod just in the the greatest of all time across the board, not even just his division, because Anderson Silva, he got popped. John Jones, he got popped. Like, I mean, there's a lot of guys that you think of that are goat status that have asterisks next to their name because of things like that. So another thing to keep in mind, but like I said, as an avid MMA fan who was lucky enough to watch GSP's entire UFC career, in my humble opinion, I think he's the GOAT. Y'all respond to that. Let me know. Hit me up. Message me. Tell me your your thoughts on all this. I know a lot of the people that listen to this are fight fans, so I'm interested to see. But uh, one more thing on UFC. There's a there's a fight night coming up this Saturday, so fight nights are free. It's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. You don't have to pay for it. You just have to pay to have your ESPN Plus subscription. But we've got uh, one of my... Actually, I guess you could say two. One of them, I'm not really that huge of a... I don't really know too, too much about, but one of my favorite up-and-comers is fighting on the co-main event. So we've got Giga Chikadze versus Cub Swanson in the featherweight division. So Cub Swanson, pretty much a household name. The dude is a veteran. He's Everyone knows him. He's a great, great fighter, Hall of Fame contender, and he's on a two-fight win streak. But, I, man, I'm, I am super, super fired up. I'm really high on this, this Giga Chikadze guy. I really think that he is a... I don't want to say a dark horse because he's not proven just yet, but he, I saw him on the Contender Series a few years back, and he didn't do great, but he just has that thing, something about him. It's like he's one step away from just becoming like really, really, like just a good all-around mixed martial artist. But he's he's 5-0 in the UFC after the Contender Series, so he's obviously doing really well. He's learning from his mistakes, and he's 5-0 and so far. Granted, they're against... Maybe not the best of opponents, but I really think that he's going to win this fight and he's going to start his ascension. Do I think it's going to be a finish? I don't know. You know, he's been prominent in the glory kickboxing promotion for years, but I think it's going to be just a a stand and bang type thing, you know, with with Cub Swanson. So that's one of those guys I I, I don't know. I I really like to see these young up-and-comers, and it's really fun to watch them develop and I really think Giga has everything that it's going to take to be a problem in that featherweight division. He's got work to do, but that's going to start on this Saturday. So that's my favorite one to to watch this weekend, but um, that's the co-main event. So the, the main event is Yuri Prohachka versus Dominic Reyes. And Yuri is a, he's so much fun to watch. He's a huge dude um, fighting at light heavyweight. And he has such a weird style. His style is almost like karate-ish. It's He's got like his hands down, a lot of lateral movement. His hands aren't even close to his face half the time. Throws crazy strikes. And he actually, his his first fight in the UFC, which is his only fight, he's 1-0, was against freaking uh, Volk, yeah, Volkan Ozdemir. Excuse me, that was, I don't know why his name slipped my mind there for a second. But Ozdemir is no punk. And he dropped him with a right hand. So, I mean, it's it's that's going to be a really fun fight. Like I said, whenever it's like the bigger dudes, like light heavyweights and heavyweights, to see see guys that are nimble and agile, that's always a lot of fun. And it's a lot of, like, it's like a breath of fresh air because you're so used to these dudes just 
slinging haymakers, you know, like trying to knock each other out, which is also fun. Who doesn't love that? But seeing a big dude that's agile, sign me up, man. I love that. And um, he's going to be fighting Dominic Reyes, who many people thought beat John Jones a couple years back. And Reyes obviously got slept by Polish power, Mr. Jan Blachowicz, last time that they fought. So he hasn't fought since then. But if the Dominic Reyes that fought Jan shows up, Yuri's going to beat him. But I think if the Dom Reyes that fought John Jones shows up, he's going to beat Yuri. Either way, I think this is going to be a really fun platform. I think the UFC and Sean Shelby did a really good job with setting this uh, this matchup because these are two guys that have a lot of star potential behind them. Mainly Yuri because he's he's getting great exposure right now. Like this is what you want from this kind of division. These guys are really marketable, the big dudes. Like depending on how this fight goes, I mean, you could have a potential superstar in your hands. So you got two guys to look for. Um I think Reyes will probably pull that one out, but I really like Yuri Brahashka, but no, if if nothing else, man, go watch Giga Chikadze this weekend and let me know what you think. All my fight fans, I know that y'all uh kind of dissect these fights like I do and that that's all I had for UFC so I hope I didn't bore y'all to death but on a closing note this is super super random but I just thought about this today wanted to give a shout out to a lot of my close friends that are leveling up in their lives and what I mean by that is like not to get mushy gushy but like I'm not in the greatest point in my life right now just got some crap going on and you know I'm really thankful for my wife and my friends and my family keeping me in good spirits and whatnot, but, like, I have every reason to be, like, woe is me and blah, blah, blah right now, but it's, I'm finding a lot of, like, a lot of my close people in my life are leveling up, and it's so cool to see, and it's really inspiring to me, and it's really, like, I don't know, I just, I really enjoy seeing that, and I think it's the most beta, bitch-ass move for people to, like, not root for their close ones like you know like why do you not want people your friends or whatever to succeed like that's I've never got that mindset I think that's such a soft ass way of approaching your life like dude that's that's not me and anyways I've got a lot of friends right now that are just going through huge evolutions in their life and I'm super proud of them getting promotions at work finding out they're having a baby moving into new houses uh, starting a weight loss journey, landing a job after months of being laid off, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like not to get into it. Y'all know who you are. I see y'all. I'm super proud of y'all. Save a spot for me. I'll see y'all at the top soon. Your boy's just going through it right now, but I'll be there. But anyways, y'all know who you are. I'm super proud of y'all and keep it up, man. Like much love. So in closing, that's everything I had here. I appreciate y'all stopping by. Go check out my dudes on the YFB network. You got YFB himself, Mr. Uh, Mr. Brian Little. You got Loud and Opinionated with Russ, The Burnout, Chris Barnett. You got Casually Kicking It over there in Florida. You got the girls and Fika Talk. You've got Tables, Ladders, and Gimmicks. Go check out all the people on the network. They're super awesome. They're all great podcasters. If you are uh, not listening to them, I hope you will make your way to over here and listen to me. And remember... As long as y'all keep listening, I'll keep talking. We'll see you next time.